Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. Oh, it's the theme song. A lot of people don't know my wife made this theme song. Back what in the Dizay. She made she this made on GarageBand. Oh, nice. Back when I started the podcast, years, many years ago, when I was recording the intros in my closet, she made this theme song on GarageBand on an iMac. And now it signifies that it is time. Hot breath. For hot breath. Let's go, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to our weekly live stream we do on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Me and fellow comedian Yoshi So come on here to answer your comedy questions and to just build that feel-good comedy community. You know, we're comics that love helping comics and we love perpetuating that out into the world of spreading that supportive side of comedy that um, may not exist in everyone's scenes out there, but we're hoping slowly one episode at a time that comics come together and just help each other get better, you know? That's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing. So we appreciate y'all for hanging out and listening to us. If you're watching live, go ahead and post your questions and we will answer those live on the air here. And if you're listening to the podcast, what are you doing? Join us live on Tuesdays on our YouTube channel, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Pull up. Pull up on the kid. So, as the questions are coming in, we got to uh, we got a little catching up to do. Uh, okay. As we talk about comics helping comics, I would love to talk about your experience with uh, the World Series this past weekend, yes. which uh, Jeff Cohn, who is in the live chat, is... Um, Got to see him and meet him, and that was amazing. And he said to hair or not to hair. So that's lovely. Um, people roasting my hair, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I got a haircut. And we're taking big swings. Even my barber was like, okay, 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 I see you. I mean, he's a white guy. Um, but he brought he brought a little flavor to it to be like, okay, I see you. I see you. For sure. Yeah. Growth mindset free- around here, Yoshi. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you definitely have uh, God. What's there's a there is this cartoon character, not the one from last week. That you Dennis the Menace. At. I've gotten a lot. Uh, Dennis the Menace for sure. There's this one that just literally just has like yellow hair sticking up. Johnny Bravo. Yeah, Johnny Bravo. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have a Johnny Bravo look going on right now. Just because it like it literally looks like it just you started it and then it just stopped. <laughs> it was like nope. No, 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 <laughs> We just gonna stop right there. <laughs> it's all pushed back. It's a, it's a new style. I'm I'm working on the confidence, but you know, okay. yeah, it looks it looks good, dude. Okay, well, before this, yeah. people were saying like a Fox News anchor. So I don't know if that's good or bad. Hey, uh, Fox News anchors are in the news, so they get the bag. <laughs> they get the bag. <laughs> They get the bag. One way or oh, the other. Appreciate it. That's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> legally or not legally. Either way. Legally or not legally. 
All right. So we'll, we'll stop talking about my hair because people on the podcast are like, cool. Yeah, we can see that. So <laughs> people watching live, we appreciate all of you for hanging out with us here. And we rolling deep, man. We're already at 24 people live. So we appreciate y'all for hanging out here. Yeah. And um, I think there's two things as we get to people's questions. I would love to hear about your experience World Series that uh, we were we were both at. And um, I'd love to share my experience with kind of like the first hot breath event um, that went down this past weekend, courtesy of the Hot Breathiverse, that uh, was very inspiring, very moving and emotional. And um, just a great a great sign of what's to come here with this community. There's a lot of cool things popping, and it's all thanks to the peeps watching live or listening later. So yeah. um, it's a beautiful thing. I guess I'll start with that since I was carrying on the momentum into it. I realized as I stopped, I was like, I guess I'll just talk about this. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you did say you were going to start with it, so you might as well continue with it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just staring at my hair in the camera. Just like, is this is this what we're doing? And the zit in my forehead. Just that's just that's just God right there. Like, oh, you want to look good? Well, there you go. There's a zit right in your eyebrow to keep you humble. Um it's like, oh, you want to get gussied up. Well, don't forget that you forget. were born in a trailer in Rome, Georgia. And don't you forget it. <laughs> no matter how Rich and famous you get. Don't you forget. From the mud, fam. The roots. From the mud. So, (laughs) two hot breathers, hot breather OGs, Bobby Sutton and Joyce Lyles put together an event here in uh, Villarica, Georgia. And it was all hot breathers were on the show and they put the show together because... They were inspired by kind of the spirit of hot breath and how we always talk about comics helping comics and also comics not waiting on an opportunity, but creating it themselves. So these are two comedians that were like, well, let's put that into practice. And they put together an amazing show at Hickstown Brewing in Villarica, Georgia. They traveled all from Alabama to make it happen. It was an incredible show. Everyone killed it. Everyone in the audience had a great time. And it really was kind of the first physical representation, I think, of what we have been working on throughout the pandemic, where it was comics online, trying to figure it out and help each other through this crazy time. So now actually getting to I'd met Bobby once pre-pandemic, but it might as well like the pandemic, you know, so much changed. So it was like meeting her again for the first time and then Joyce for the first time. And it was really cool to see what we're building online here, actually in person meeting these people and then seeing it actually like working. Like it was a really dope show. It was a lot of fun. It was a great success, great success. So I'm, uh, I just love seeing comics taking their careers into their own hands and creating their own opportunities and to see it all in action from them hearing the podcast to putting it into reality and getting to like see it. It was just, it was very surreal. It was very emotional. And I I was very moved by the entire experience. So I just, I just love what's happening here at hot breath and the comics that really do listen and share it and put the things into action. It's just, it just makes my heart smile, Yoshi. So I really want to start off on that positive note to be honest. Yeah. So fire, fire, Uh, a hundred fire, fire. 
<laughs> oh, that was what's goody. I don't know where the fire. Oh, here it is. Fire, fire, fire. fire. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I mean, I think at the end of the day, right, it's like we've been talking about this and this is kind of like you mentioned, like how Hot Breath was born is that you just kind of realize, hey, no one's going to make your success for you. You got to go mm-hmm. kind of go, go get it rather than waiting for people to give stuff to you. And I think that's a, that's a thing I know that, you know, as we watch some of the most successful comedians coming up now, everybody's went and just went and got it. You know what I mean? Like no one's waiting for somebody else to be like, Oh, I'm gonna put you on. I'm gonna put you on. Everyone just goes and kind of just gets what they need kind of thing. Right. And I think that resonates with a lot of people because we're starting to find out, I mean, not that we're starting to find out, but the game has changed. You know what I mean? The comedy game has changed. It's Mm -hmm. not like the gatekeepers are the ones controlling absolutely everything. Uh, You know, we talked last week about producing shows to produce a show. You just got to find a venue. You don't have to wait for a thing called a comedy club to put on a show. There's so many brewery shows. There's so many restaurant shows. There's so many shows at different venues. You can put on a comedy show and those things can make you money, right? And those things can get you stage time and those things can help you get better at comedy. So I love it when people just take the work ethic that they already have and working on their jokes and getting up at open mics and are just like, Hey, let's just find a venue that will have us, um, use the leverage that we have, use the connects that we have, uh, get people up and then hopefully pay people as well. So I, I just love the fact that even if you're not paying people, at least giving those people opportunities, but also having a supportive community as well that says, Oh, we'll support this. So yeah, that's, that's so legit. That's like the best part. That's why I love producing. Cause I love watching people get almost like get introduced to comedy mm-hmm. and having time at the end of it. Like, Oh, we got to do that again. That's why I like producing in the suburbs, man. Cause these yep. people, man, they need a laugh. And then you could tell that it's been a while when they've had a laugh. And you're like, Oh, oh yeah, dude. Yeah. That's what this was. It was a small town outside of Atlanta that there yeah. just isn't comedy and they were so hungry and thirsty for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a fun feeling. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, congrats, Bobby. Congrats, Joyce. That's just amazing. And all the people that were on the show, that's freaking awesome. Yep. Amen. There we What's go. Goody. And What's for people that don't know, Angels on y'all. Our sound effect that we end the live streams with is actually Bobby's voice, Angels on y'all. So, um, <laughs> good yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, I just want to share that positive. Start off this episode with some positivity and hopefully some, maybe a little little inspiration this week for people listening of like oh maybe i'll go out there and get it or start looking for my own venue we went into more detail on all that last week of you know yeah. with finding the right venue and things like that but um yeah it it it, it can add up for sure yeah 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 no that's awesome man that's and i came straight from that to the world series of comedy like yeah. world series of comedy was here in atlanta all week basically and we we had the CEO Joe Lowers on. Um, we've had the like the vice president Jason Rowland on here before. Like we we love those guys and what they do with World Series. And um, they were in Atlanta this week. I went two nights in a row, and then you actually competed in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like what? Yeah. Share share your experience 
with it because you've done it a few times and you yeah, I did it better last, and better, you know? I literally did it last week in Florida and then did it again this week in um, in Atlanta. Um, I mean, honestly, like I, I guess the biggest thing is I know the the World Series is one of those things that you learn how to do a showcase set. And a showcase mm, set mm. is really a set that is meant for bookers and meant for people to be like, oh, I'm going to book you based off what I am watching. So there's a level of, I would say, technique to a showcase set that is super important. Um, and showcase sets are really just about, it's you get five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it may be, but you're highlighting pretty much the best of it's like basically the compilation of your best material mm -hmm. right and within that five minutes i you know i i don't want to sound like it's as simple as this but you got to try to get as many laughs as possible within those five minutes and the key is also to make sure that you establish exactly who you are and what you are so people know what they're about to get up top it's almost like a Jason, who's the vice president, almost calls it like a defining statement that sort of sets up the rest of your set to then give you leeway to say whatever you want within those five minutes. And it's not like you can't jump from topic to topic. It's just you have to define yourself like pretty much up top or very, very quickly within the first couple of uh, things that you say so people know what they're about to get with the rest of your set. And then you just try to, you know, I would say just try to be as funny as possible. Um, you know, uh, did it on Friday. I want, sorry, did it on Thursday night. I won that competition and then, uh, did the semifinals on Saturday. I did not win that competition. So they picked the top three. Um, was I upset? Yeah, I was upset, but also like, also realized maybe one thing that I'm starting to like probably adjust for is that the folks who are, uh, I guess this is the best way to describe it. It's not always about the funniest. It's about the most bookable. And mm -hmm. I recognize that there's a difference in that. And maybe it's just me, but I would say that I've started to see sort of like definitely a pattern of just like, even if like a room is hot and a comedian just destroys that may not necessarily mean that that person is bookable for that club or not, because the club owners are the ones who are choosing as well. So just remember, there's definitely a bookability. And then also like, is this the funniest person you've ever heard? Because the club owners are choosing based on who they would want to be back at the club. The other thing to remember is that the club owners also, and the guys who are judging also like, Someone can book you off of watching your set, even if they don't move you on. There's mm -hmm. been many of uh, competitions that I've been to that I've gotten booked just off of my set. I didn't move on in the competition, but I still got booked, which is still like a win-win. Like at the end of the day, that's kind of what we are there for anyway. Like this competition, <laughs> the reward is work, right? The reward is like, we're just going to, you're going to get a feature weekend and hopefully you become in rotation with the club and things like that. I know uh, the guy who won the World Series last year uh, got a feature weekend up in um, Sarasota 
destroyed it. And the club owner was just like, you're not featuring any longer. You're going to be headlining mm. from here on out. So they put him in rotation to headline just because he just did so well. Right. And that's what we're all hoping for. Definitely from a club booker perspective. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my experience um, is that they're, you know, the club owners are allowed to book you even if you, you don't win or even if you don't move on in the competition i think the competition is definitely just more meant to be like okay this is who we find to be the most bookable um and i'd say my, my set has changed over time my set changed from last week i adjusted my set even from last week based on notes based on sort of how i wanted to adjust what i was saying um i was happy with both sets and definitely like good with it um, but you know, I think it took me like a day to be like, all right, it is what it is kind of thing. You know, my feelings were still hurt, but I was like, man, I still got bookings off of this. And you know, the owner was just like, oh, good, good stuff. I've never seen you better. So it's like, that's a huge compliment. Cause she actually hasn't seen me in some time. So that's just always a good thing. And that echoes you talking about like, focusing on what you can control and creating an opportunities. So like at a certain point at a festival or a competition, you can only control what you can control, which is preparing and having fun with the yeah. performance. And then whatever happens happens afterwards. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Preparing. Um, yeah. I think that's the big thing. Preparing and having fun, I would say are the sort of the milestones that I've adopted in the last, probably in the last year with this competition. I think I let a lot of the competition get to my head. I can get a, a very heady sometimes and very like into my set and try to dissect it like for every single word and all that. And I recognized that I wasn't having fun when I did that. So mm. this year, the focus was just, hey, I know that I get the biggest reaction when I feel like I'm having a good time. So if I'm having a good time, the audience is going to have a good time. Yep. And that's most important for me as a performer. I know myself that if I'm having a good time on stage, I am just a hundred percent positive that the audience is going to have a good time. So exactly. I try not to rob myself of that. So I make sure I go in, we're going to have a good time before we step on the stage. And that's the attitude that I go in with. Yeah. And Bob Kirk asked, did you do the same set? <laughs> for the two different performances you did? And how much time did you have to do? Uh, the first one, so the first one in the competition, there's a wild card round that is five minutes. And for that wild card round, it's usually like 15 people. I was not in the wild card. Um, I was in the sort of the first round. And the first round is seven minutes. So I did a seven minute set. Um, and that seven minute set was definitely something, uh, that I did again for the 10 minute set. So I basically did the same seven and added three more minutes to the already seven minutes that I did from the Thursday. Uh, I think I wish I would have done it a little differently though. I think, I think next time, um, because the way I typically prepare my set, uh, just me personally, I usually know my first joke and my last joke. And this is just me. I, I don't want to, take away from anybody like this is just my own sort of uh methodology i know the first thing i'm gonna say like the first joke and i know the last joke everything kind of in between is just what i've got in my bag of jokes 
and I just let it kind of come based on how the audience reacts. The audience reacts to stuff like just a little bit more. I may go on that certain topic and just do more jokes. If they mm-hmm. don't, then I may switch it up and try a different topic. But the majority of the sets that I'm doing like in town when I like do a feature, I mean, when I do a feature set or when I do even long sets is I don't have an order. I just know the first thing and I know the last thing. And then everything else in between is just straight up from the bags, from the bag. Like I just, I've got the arsenal. It's just, where, where are we going to go? Like when we did the, when we did the, um, the, uh, the country club, the country club bit, right. I just knew that I wanted to start in a certain way. And then when they reacted to the HOA material, I was like, I'm going to give you more HOA material. You know what I'm saying? And I just added more to it. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I organized my longer sets. So I wish I would have done that in this 10-minute set because it it would have felt more natural. I definitely felt like I was forcing seven minutes plus add three more minutes which I actually have never done before of just three minutes of a longer bit that I actually have. That's more like a five minute that I then squeeze mm-hmm. into three minutes kind of thing. So that is probably the only thing I wish I would have done differently. Yeah. And that versatility and being able to pivot and stuff comes with stage time and having enough sure. material that you can kind of plug and play. But all that, all that develops incrementally over time for any comics listening. We're like, Oh, how do you do that? It's literally like you just get more and more comfortable on stage. You get less and less in your head and you're more able to actually listen to the audience and yeah. start to have that dialogue instead of this monologue you have with an audience for several years into stand-up. You just, I got to say these jokes as I wrote them, as, jokes, as I prepared yeah. them, and you just do it. Yeah. You know, this, yeah, those yeah. are all part of learning and developing as a comedian until you get to yeah. the point where you can be a little more like flexible on stage, but it comes with time. For sure. Yeah, I would say like one of the biggest comedians who I saw do this, I saw him do it at the punchline and then I saw him do it when I put him when I had him on a show up in um in downtown Duluth, Georgia, was uh Drew Thomas. Yeah. Uh, killer. Yeah. You know, Drew Thomas spent the first five minutes of his set just like talking with the crowd. Just like ask them how they were doing, asking who's married, who's not married. And then you could just like see the wheels turning. And what he did was legit just do a set based on all the talk of the first five minutes. So he hit all the people in the crowd. And then the next show, they talked about something completely different and he readjusted. Now I heard some, some of the same stuff, but then he readjusted his set for that crowd. It was just like magical to watch. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. He's not just doing the same stuff. He's legit just like it was almost like bobbing and weaving based on the audience and what the audience told him was like what they it's not like what they wanted to hear. But he just like like he had like somebody asked somebody uh, what their job was like if you know and they said lawyer or something. He had a lawyer joke that he prompted into the bit for the next 45 minutes. Like it was just all these little things that I thought was just super awesome to watch. And this was like years ago, because I think to your point, I was also very much like, I got it 10 minutes. (laughs) You gonna get these 10 minutes. It's going to get bam, 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 bam. And then um, when I realized I had like enough material, 
I, I was like, oh, I don't have to. I have enough stuff that covers a wide variety of topics. I'll be okay. And that's worked for me for a very long time. Yeah, and speaking of uh, lawyer jokes, Abhi Pen, <laughs> Pen, Pen, Pemnani, uh, his roast is about someone who would mispronounce his name, which is hilarious. But basically he said, Joel, you look like your dad is a lawyer and you're the one giving him legal troubles. <laughs> <laughs> but dad, what? <laughs> I wanted to take the car. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. That is very, very funny. <laughs> yes, I come from a long line of trade school graduates. So a lot of money in the bu- <laughs> in the buyer's household. If anyone wants to get on that maintenance at a juvenile center money, holla at your boy. <laughs> I know the head of maintenance at a local juvie center that I can probably get you some nepotism in on. Um, hilarious. All right. So let's get into your questions now that we're all caught up there. And uh, yeah, Drew Thomas is a beast. He's been on the podcast twice. If you guys want to go back and listen to those episodes, the second episode I did with him was actually after a road gig we did together, we recorded it in a waffle house and it's just raw comic talk man so um yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember you telling me like which is also another thing i picked up from drew about like watching people and then watching yourself and recognizing oh, yeah. that the laughs were different like you're yeah, like, i was featuring you're like, for him that was the night yeah. we recorded the podcast after i was featuring for him uh-huh. and i was like oh, i feel good about that set and then he went up like his laughter was just different. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, bruh. <laughs> as soon as you're feeling good, you're like, oh, that's another level. Yeah. 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 By the way, you had a great set on, uh, was it Friday that you did it? Oh, the world series. Yeah. Oh, thank you, that's man. Fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that. that. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. The sugar bit was hilarious. Oh, I'm more yeah. I'm I'm trying to work out some new stuff, you know. Yeah. So it was yeah it, yeah that was a lot of fun. It was a hot crowd, so I just I just rode the wave, you know. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh my God, Steve says Joel looks like a youth pastor that would try to do hip hop songs by acoustic guitar. This Q&A is just a roast, Joel. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. From the windows to the walls <laughs> to the sweat drops down my balls yeah. to all the chickens crawl. Get amen. All, <laughs> all amen, amen, amen. All amen, amen. That reminds me of Jeff Cohn's joke he had about being like the the Christian Metallica cover band. Yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> Such a good joke. He crushed yeah, he too. Killed. Yeah, he, he killed. killed. It was great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's get into y'all's questions here on the live stream, and uh, we're sitting at a solid twenty-five people right now. I, the live stream is back, baby. Back. Thank you all for hanging out live or listening to this later. We really want to be more intentional about building up this weekly live stream to become a community event where comics can 
ask questions and also meet and interact with each other as well. That's that's a big part of the Hot Breath of Verse is comics just connecting with other comics. So um, thank you all for for being a part of this as we're as we're continuing to build this higher and higher as fire fire fire. 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 <laughs> so the first question I'm seeing here is from Amir. It says, um, if you're a comic who has dark material that gets groans, how do you set the tone? How do you make people feel comfortable to laugh? That's a good question. I would say there's nothing wrong with like dark material, but just know that groaning isn't the appropriate response that you want from an audience. Mm. So I think when it comes to a groan, I think what I see a lot of times is that people set up those jokes to be grown worthy by saying like some ridiculous word or by saying some trigger word and they get the groan versus sort of rephrasing the setup. And I think rephrasing the setup to where you bring people into why you feel like this is a topic. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, let's say you're talking about horror films, right? If you wanted to talk about horror films, you don't say you guys seen the latest horror films that where people, everybody is dying. Like that's just a groan, right? Versus, uh, I don't like horror films where everybody's dying. I think they're a little ridiculous. Now you can go into whatever your setup, your joke is around why you feel it because now it's more about you versus mm. just the only part of just saying, Oh, y'all seen that horror film where everybody's killing at each other. Then people are like, what, what are you talking about? Kind of thing. So I think there's a rephrasing of a setup where it becomes more about your take on it rather than just the material part. And I think young comics get into this, uh, what's the word trap? of just trying to say a trigger word or trying to say something just because they think they're trying to get a reaction from people and it's not worthy. Like a groan isn't what you want as a response. Like we're doing comedy. Like I don't know what kind of entertainment you want to do where you get groans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, but personalizing it, like you said, and kind of easing into it a little bit before you just drop the hammer is a great way. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah, I love that advice. Yeah, I have nothing really to add to that. And uh, I will say sometimes young comics look at someone like Bill Burr, Anthony Jeselnik, and are like, oh, I want to do that. And they haven't learned how to write a joke yet. So then they get a groan and they're like, oh, PC culture. Everybody's woke and won't laugh at these half-baked ideas I wrote on a napkin in between my shifts washing dishes. Like... Some like <laughs> some young comics like try to go for these topics before they understand how to make their dog funny or how yeah. to make just their yeah. everyday like brushing their teeth funny. It's kind of like for- you kind of crawl before you walk, especially when you're getting to the dark material. Yeah. Like if you can't make a joke about traffic funny, don't try a joke about abortion. You know what I mean? Like, it's just way too, like, those comedians are able to make those jokes and able to sort of do that pivot because they've had practice. Like, they've literally practiced years and decades of just, like, practicing with material. So they're 
ability to finesse like the English language is just so much further than where you are. So I think it's helpful just to know that like it's not needed to try to get the groan. A groan just is not a desired <laughs> reaction. Yep. So it's a, yeah, it's a marathon. So, you know, crawl before you walk here, but great. I mean, yeah, yeah great advice on that one. You know, she just personalizing sure. it, give me a little more context for the dark mm -hmm. material beyond just a stranger on stage trying to say this crazy thing. Personalizing, I think really makes it more uh, digestible. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That is fire, fire, fire. fire. <laughs> All right. Bow, bow. <laughs> Oh, and Logan said it's been wonderful to be a part of the Hot Breath community. Thank you, Logan. Appreciate it, boss. And uh, he said, I'm producing a show mid-June. Bobby Sutton gave me some wonderful advice about having a backup and the mentality of a producer. Is there any other advice you could give? Well, we've kind of... We talked a lot about producing your own show last week. Um, something I don't think we mentioned last week is booking the show based on quality and not who are your friends or not. Like a lot of times the producer is like, oh, I'm friends with this person or that person. Let me just put all my friends on here, regardless of how funny they are. But your lineup, yeah. like it matters. And the order it, of your show matters. It big time. matters. It matters. And what matters most is that the audience there has a good time and wants to come back and tell their friends. And that is based on the quality of your lineup. So that's something I would say for producing is produce for quality and not necessarily all your friends. Yeah, very, very true. I think, I mean, I know some people don't want to hear it, but like I was at a show recently where like a heavy hitter went third and did not headline. And it was very hard for the person afterwards to get laughs mm. because this somebody just legit just destroyed it just like it, and i think that's a that's a hard thing for some people to hear but not all comedians are built the same so you have to know that like just like you put your f best or second best joke up top you put your second best comedian <laughs> up top and your best comedian as your closer. Like if you're doing a lineup, I think it's super important. And then the middle, you kind of can go sort of different orders, but you just try to, if anything, you want a crescendo of like start strong and then get stronger, 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 the best kind of thing Yep. when possible. Um, and then I think different styles, um, diversity on shows, I think is super important uh, yep. just to have a different tone to your, to your show. Um, but yeah, I think it's always important to know your closer is so important in a comedy show because that's who your, <laughs> uh, producers are going to remember like, Oh yeah, your closer, man. That was, that was great. If you hear your closer was not great. They remember that more than everything else in the show. That's all they'll remember. Cause that's how they're leaving the show feeling. That's, that's what they're going to remember is how they left the show feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. I think. The lineup is very, very important. Kaboom. Good good question good there, Logan. And thank you, Bobby, for sharing some advice uh, to the Hot Breath of Verse. I love hearing comics helping comics out there. Uh, the next, speaking of comics helping comics, all the way from Sydney, 
Australia. Ooh. Oh my heavenly day. We are all the way. I actually get a lot of um I get quite a few messages from Australia. I was just on an Australian comedian's podcast as well. Like I love um Hot Breath versus out there in Australia. Oh wait. Is that you? No. Oh, what just happened? There we go. <laughs> Excuse me, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what just happened there. Uh, all right. And uh, his name, Sheehan or Shahan. Oh, what are these names? Shahan <laughs> Wanigasekera. Did you see how quickly I went through the last name? I was like, I don't want to end on that G. Um, we'll just do Sheehan or Shahan. Hi, Joel and Yoshi. I'm from Sydney, Australia, and moving to America by January next year. As I got lucky on the green card lottery and want to know what are the good comedy cities in the country where you can get up every night without having to move to the craziness of a city like New York, L.A. or Chicago. <laughs> um, I mean, we're probably biased. I'm probably biased on this, but I think Atlanta is a great mm -hmm. comedy city. Um, but if the, if I was to say where I think... I have heard from other comedians who come to town and where I've been in other places across the country, I'd say Atlanta, Austin, Denver are like the top sort of bigger cities. Mm -hmm. uh, Seattle is pretty tight, pretty tight on as a comedy scene in terms of what I've heard uh, other comedians say they get up a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, because you just got to think size of the city. If it's a comedy city and it's got, you know, not to belabor the details, but if it's got a lot of, if it's got millions of people, you're going to get a lot of opportunities to go up. Houston is also a pretty good city in terms of just mm -hmm. lots of opportunities, just because the bigger cities have way more opportunity. They might have more clubs for people to actually go to and things like that. So those, I would say the top for me is probably, Austin, Atlanta, Denver, in terms of like mid-tier cities below New York, LA. I would also call, I would actually say the top two were New York and LA, but Chicago, I would also, I actually put Chicago and Atlanta in the same kind of breath. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you, you, do you really hit all the high notes there, but Atlanta, yeah. Yeah. I'm biased too coming up in Atlanta, but Atlanta has shows every single night and people are like, Killing it. And people are people, like yeah. killing it and helping each other. There's like a good community here in Atlanta. Like I see comics like being very supportive of each other here, which is very encouraging because it was like not that way when I came For, up in the scene, sure. you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm biased, but I, Atlanta's, you named a lot of good cities, but yeah, for me, Atlanta. Atlanta's that's the reason I didn't move because Atlanta had everything I needed here to just develop and get good at comedy. So mm -hmm. uh, that, that's a good comprehensive list there though. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I would say Austin is getting bigger uh, mostly because a lot of comics moved from LA to Austin. Mm -hmm. I hear Miami and Fort Lauderdale is actually pretty good scenes in terms of like they're coming up and there's a lot of comedians that have also moved to Florida as well so yeah i think there's definitely plenty of cities for you to where you can get up on a nightly basis but just know like a city even like atlanta though you can get up every night 
you got to have material. <laughs> like the comedy's got to be like yeah. because the competition also. That's what I was saying. Going to a competitive scene will keep you inspired to keep creating because you're like, oh, man, yes. I got to keep up here. Yes. Yeah. Help yeah, yeah. Like you can't the occasion. You can't be slacking. That's the best way to say it. Like you can't yeah. slack off because people like not that people will know, but like you're going to realize that, oh, why am I not getting up? Well, your material hasn't changed or it's not keeping up with people who are getting booked and getting showcased. Yep. Uh, Phil Ketcherin, he actually posted this in our uh, Facebook group. I promoted this in our Facebook group, and uh, he actually commented on here with a question I meant to get to first. Because I said people who comment on here will get first dibs, and then it ends up being fifth dibs. So it's all good, Phil. I appreciate <laughs> Phil. I'm doing a show with Phil at uh, Bristol in May. May... F- 19th and 20th, I'll be at the Blue Ridge Comedy Club up there with Phil doing a clean comedy weekend. No, nice. um, talk about comics helping comics. You know, Phil reached out and was like, Would you be interested in headlining this comedy club? Uh, yeah. yes, yeah. so anyone looking to book Joel yeah. or Yoshi, the people yeah. you're listening to, we're qualified and able, wow. and our um, wives appreciate you, they sure do. They might even send you flowers. You know what I mean? Yes. 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 (laughs) From the garden. (laughs) Yes. Ooh, the garden looking good. We got some roses coming up. Dude, you got to see these Floribundas blooming out here, bro. Floribundas. (laughs) Our Claire Austins are looking good. Very fragrant. For those of you in the live stream, here's a few. There's a few for you right there. Look at you, boy. Ding. So fragrant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're so good. All right. That's hilarious. So anyway, um, Phil's question was, there are a lot of different joke writing books available. What are your top three that have helped you the most? Ooh. I'm going to turn around just to see if I can see some of the books. I will, I will preface this by saying I've only read one cover to cover (laughs) now with this question people should know we did a whole comedy author series where we literally interviewed all the top comedy authors basically if you go on amazon and you search comedy writing books all the top authors we interviewed we put together like in order a comedy author series and then had like a recap episode talking about all the big takeaways from all these different comedy authors. So if you thought hot breath was the best comedy resource, it just got even better with that context for y'all to know, because nobody's doing that. Um, but for sure. the one I've read cover to cover. Yeah. And the one that I started with is, and this is like joke writing books, not like Steve Martin's biography or anything like that. But the one I read cover to cover and that taught me one-liners is Greg Dean's step-by-step to stand-up. That's okay. it's the book I started with. If you're looking to learn one-liners and you don't want to take our Five Steps to Funny workshop for whatever reason um, that's available, <laughs> linked in the show notes, then that's a good book that'll help you do that. Um, learn, yeah, especially so one-liners, yeah. That's solid. Uh, the I've read all the comedy books and I've probably read maybe like five or six. But I'd say the top one for me in terms of like 
started out with and have went back to the revised version of this book, Judy Carter's Comedy Bible. Yes. Freaking godsend of a book. It is so well structured. Uh, just the prompts are amazing in it. Um, I'm also going to give a shout out to a f- uh, somebody else you've had on the podcast. Um, Jerry Corley's uh, sort yep. of like architecture book on the 13 archetypes of a joke. Uh, he's got this entire um, breakdown of jokes. It's in a PDF format. I don't think it's in a book format that is like a hundred and something pages. Freaking amazing resource. Is so that those the Breaking be- Comedy DNA one? Yes. Breaking so Comedy yeah, DNA. Brandon Lee that commented is, with that one. Yeah. Yeah. That is legit one of the best straight up like practical uh, joke writing technique books that I've ever, ever read. I've one of my best jokes came out of using those exercises that still kills till today. Um, so yeah, those are, those are probably the, be like, if I was to say three, yeah. uh, I, I also agree with Greg Dean's. Like I've read that one too. Soup. Just, just good. Like it's just a good on one liners to your, to your point, but it's like the setup of the, of just getting to the highlights of jokes and things like that. That book is awesome. Yeah, that's a solid top three. So uh, Greg Dean's step-by-step to stand up in no particular order. I think this is how we brought them up, but Greg Dean's step-by-step to stand up. You said Judy Carter's the comedy Bible and Jerry Corley's breaking comedies DNA. I think that's a solid, that's a solid top three there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And And there's others. There's plenty of others. I would, you know, uh, go out and check them out. But I think, you know, if I was to say there's those three, I can always kind of like go back to try different exercises. Like I go back to Greg Dean's exercises as well. And Judy Carter's when I'm writing like new topics and the mm-hmm. way that they do their, uh, uh, prompts, writing prompts, both of them have writing prompts that are just really, really good. If you're exploring like a brand new topic as well, which I think is awesome. And speaking of writing prompts, goodness, every day in our Facebook group, Bobby Sutton, OG Bobby Sutton posts a new word every single day. It's the right 10 club, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Every single day, Bobby's posting a new word for you to just write a joke about, post it in there, get feedback from other people, read other people's jokes, share some feedback. It's a great... It's kind of like a, it's like Wordle for comedians where it's kind of like a yeah. puzzle you have to solve. And I for think sure. I saw, I saw someone asking the, uh, the live chat about like how, uh, I think that was Abby asking just like, Oh, specific on the right 10 club. Some words are harder than others. Do you have any advice on dealing with like, like just finding jokes basically. And like comedy, writing is it's a law of averages it's literally like you write 10 jokes you write 20 jokes and you may end up keeping one of them like that's literally the joke writing process so most of what you write you're not going to keep yeah if you guys think about the way that late night stand up and like late 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 night monologues work they've got like 10 writers in the room all 10 of those writers are literally writing close to like 200 jokes and they only say like maybe 30 maybe 40 jokes by the time it's over, but they've literally seen thousands of jokes. So yeah, it's a law of averages. I would honestly say the hot breath 
daily writing exercise. It's probably the best exercise I've done in terms of just keeping sharp from a writing perspective. Yeah. Like it's just good. Like I'll just go in one day and just like, Oh, what's the word? And just write because it kind of frees you and sort of helps you get away from feeling stuck because now you just write about this certain thing. Um, so you're not stuck on your own material, which I think is so helpful sometimes. Because sometimes you can just be like in a funk, be like, I don't feel like anything is funny. Well, write about a bat. Just do that. Just <laughs> we a just word. Picked a yeah, word. Today's <laughs> word was like intense. You know, it's just a word. It's just a jumping off point. Just something yeah. to get the juices flowing. Yeah. But great. Yeah. And Bob, Bobby got on to me at the show. She's like, write 10 Club. Come on, Joel. You know, where where you at, fam? Where you at? Because it wasn't where really live at? stream. I think I had a little PTSD from during the pandemic. I did a live stream, right? 10 Club for over 400 days in a row. Er day. Er day. Er day. And then she was sure to clarify, you don't have to go live. You don't have to go live. But just people would appreciate maybe you participating in this thing you created to help comics. You know, <laughs> So, um, so since then I've, I've been doing it, I've been back in there doing it and reading other people's nice. jokes as well and posting my own. So it is, it is a great way to start the day and just to say, Oh, I wrote today. It's a 10 minute exercise. Yep. So we can be like, Oh, look, I wrote today. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, Oh, this is great. Yeah. Great questions there. And, um, let's, let me see. Un momento. Let's do a few more here as we're going to land the plane here. But this will be saved as a podcast for sure. That was a question in our Facebook group. Um, Yes, this will be our podcast as well. Uh, Next question coming from Mudit. What's a good way to write new crowd work bits? Would writing out possible crowd work responses and follow-up jokes be a good start? Oh, I hear Ian. Oh, I hear Ian Bag just yelling at his computer right now. If you guys don't know Ian Bag, he's known as probably the best crowd work comedian in the world. I mean, I you've heard everyone from Tom Segura and Bert Kreischer to Joe Rogan talk about this guy and just how amazing he is. And he's known as like the best crowd work comic. We've had him on the show. And one of the things he got annoyed with the most was about these young comics just using crowd work as a way to set up material and stuff, um, which was hilarious to hear as the new trend is not even to do material, but just do crowd work to get the clip, to go viral, to sell out the venue, to not have the material, to bomb, to never get booked again. You know, that whole cycle. Um, What's a good way to write new crowd work bits? Uh, I mean, write... I, I mean, I'm going to sound like an old head here, but yeah. I don't say write crowd work bits. I mean, I if think you do the, all right, yeah. all right. So here's the thing. I think just like, just like Ian bag has said and has practiced, right? Like, I think there was a time when Ian said, he just like the way he worked on crowd work was just to do crowd work. And he just got really good at doing crowd work based off of that. But he's got material right? He's got material that he's written and things of that nature. And there's nothing really wrong with like practice, but crowd work is meant to be like kind of organic mm-hmm. and doing that stuff. So yeah, I mean, even if you practice those things and practice, 
you know, a response to somebody. When it comes to crowd work, you never know what people are going to say. So yes, you can have something canned, but people can also tell if it feels canned as well. So just be prepared for that as well. Um, And I think when it does come to crowd work, just know that like, yes, crowd work is working and it's clippy and it helps you, you know, the algorithms love crowd work. That's that we know, like the, all the reels and (laughs) all the Facebooks and all, they all love crowd work. But I think what it is, is that that's where people feel uh, it's because it's getting the most response from an audience and from people perspective, people are sticking with crowd work because they're waiting for what, is going to happen from a crowd work perspective versus just a joke that you're telling. And which is why it's much more viral. So I would say if you're going to do crowd work, yeah, go ahead and practice it. But just know like at the end of the day, people don't come see an entire show full of crowd work. I mean, I don't know anyone is, do you know any comedians who are just doing just purely crowd work as an entire show? I mean, Ian Bag is yeah, the one that comes that's, to mind. Like the goat, like that's what he's known at for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some do yeah. it. Todd Barry did a special of just people doing crowd work specials yeah. and things like that. But yeah. it's usually weaved in. Yeah, you gotta have material. I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat it. You gotta have material. You gotta mm-hmm. have jokes. Like, yeah, I would focus on developing material more than developing crowd work. Yes, I was. I mean, that's yeah. for longevity. Um, now that could be me being an old head who's like these kids and their crowd work clips. I don't know the mentality now. I can't imagine starting now and being like, oh my gosh, I have to learn how to write a joke and I have to learn how to film and edit and add captions and make sure I get that viral moment at this open mm-hmm. mic in front of seven mm-hmm. people. Like, seven. so seven. it's, and that's including the staff. Including and the homeless guy peeing in the corner. Um, But anyway, I literally I used to host a show on a patio, and there was a homeless guy. He didn't pee, but he did just like stand in the corner, and it was very weird. Um, But anyway, uh, yeah. So I would focus for long term developing your material instead of your crowd work. But a common thing people will do is do crowd work that weaves into their material like oh how long have y'all been married and then oh i have all these marriage jokes type deal oh or you're on a mm-hmm. dating app i have these dating app jokes but i would say focus on the material um focus on the material but i see winston hodges in the live chat who is uh if you want to see crowd work done right he's killing it and he does a lot of great crowd work on his social media uh so he, he's a good comic who's doing it actually like the right quality way if you guys want yeah. a good example there, he's killing it. Yeah. Um, next up, I just love seeing the hot breath of us here. Yo, this is so dope. Oh my gosh. Um, let me do a few more. Let me do a few more. Let me see. Let me see. Um, here's a good one in our Facebook group, uh, from Terry, Terry. Terry Terry says, how do you write comedy punchlines? How do you brainstorm ideas for comedy punchlines? Do you draw from life experiences or watch the news? Oh my gosh. And Jeff Ardell just said Joel with his (laughs) (laughs) rom-com. (laughs) 
Yeah, I've had this like haircut you, two hours. You look like you're about to be broken up with. <laughs> I've legit had this haircut two hours. <laughs> I was so jazzed to come on the live stream and be like, yo, look at the drip. Look at the swagitude. I got my Goodwill Tommy Bahama shirt on. And then people are just like, bro, chill. Bro. Bro. All right. Uh, but yeah, Terry basically asking, how do you come up with ideas for jokes? And um, write jokes, basically. Well, there's a whole online class we have about this and a workshop as well, if you want something a little quicker and shorter. But, and um, 400 episodes and yeah. every week a Tuesday live feedback. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but so, the short and sweet answer for me, yeah. I would say, is just... Yeah, draw from life experiences. What do you find funny? Brainstorm ideas. Don't don't brainstorm for the punchline in mind. Brainstorm for what's interesting to you. What what excites you? What's something unique about you? What is something that you could talk about that no one else could talk about? Yoshi and I are both married. We can both yeah. do marriage material, but what makes it unique to us is our own experience, our own unique point of view. So I would say brainstorm yeah. around those areas and look for the surprising elements of those things because a lot of comedy hinges on surprise. So start to look in those areas and do what you think is funny. Write it out. Take it to the stage. Yeah. See how it goes. Sure. Uh, yeah. Like step number one, I would just take like a small little notebook and start making notes of what you find funny. So mm. you can start to make uh, like a mental note of your humor and what things sort of make you crack up. So uh, I started doing that before I started comedy, probably for like six months of kind of just where my humor was um, to then sort of figure out how to write for that type of humor. Obviously, you know, for any comedian, like surprise is the ultimate element of a setup. Somebody's making an assumption based on that setup and then you surprise them with uh, something different. That's how you elicit the laughter. But really, it's just all about practicing that on an ongoing basis. Write it, practice it. Everything sounds good on paper. But you got to get it on that stage. The stage yeah. is the final frontier. Because <laughs> that's More what Cinema Quirks asked too, is how do you know if something's funny before standing on stage? And it's literally like you don't until you get up there. Like you just yeah. do what you think is going to work and then the audience will let you know. Yes. Yes. The audience is the ultimate. Uh, yeah. They're the ultimate sort of vindicators of whether you should have done that or not. <laughs> yeah. But that's how you'll know is, is getting on stage, getting over that yeah. hump. Um, yeah. Oh, and Cinema Quirks said they just subbed today and they don't know who Yoshi is. No. Who are you, Yoshi? Who am I? Man, don't. I, I'd say this. I am just a comedian just trying to Not make just. things happen. I am a comedian just trying to make things happen. No, I've been doing comedy for about eight years now. Uh, I actually started taking Joel's class. That's actually how we met. Um, I've been producing shows for like six years now. I'm an improviser. I'm a writer. I'm an executive producer. I've done a movie. Uh, I, I do a lot, man. And, uh, I enjoy this comedy game and I'm like full force. I do a lot of 
comedy in the suburbs. I'm a clean comedian. I'm a corporate comedian. You know what I'm saying? I'll send you a resume if you need. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, He's I'm, got I'm out here. Yeah, I'm out here in these comedy streets. Comedy Big streets facts. up at John's Creek, baby. Big facts. Yeah. Big facts. And Yoshi and I will go on the road together a lot or do like yeah. local like country club gigs and stuff. Yoshi's the my right hand man, which yeah. um Steve Polger asked, How do I utilize the hot breath network to book comedians? Well, you you know, you start with us. Uh, you know, if you want to book comedians from the hot breath verse, you're like, ooh, Joel and Yoshi could be a good show, or one or the other could be a good show. Um, if you want to bring the bag, but if you're looking for um we can negotiate. We can talk about price and all sure. that. I mean, but, here's the thing. The Hot Breath Network is all over the country, is all over the world. All over the world, uh, yeah. Leverage it to kind of uh, come up and to see where people are. And I'm sure there's people going to be close to your city. Um, I performed in other cities where Hot breath averse folks were, and it was amazing. They helped me get up. When people come to this city, I help them get up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's all love, man, which is my favorite thing is to just help people get better at comedy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, even just posting in our Facebook group and Steve is in our hot breath pro group, which is where people who sign up for our online writing class go there and they do a live writing room in there every day that Joan runs or not every day, every day, Monday, Monday. every Monday, Joan's writing room. And, uh, anytime there's gigs that come up, uh, hot breath, that's, that's the group I post in first. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking to book people, Steve, the pro group will be a good place to start. And uh, you just you just never know who's in the hot breath verse. You just, you just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's people of all levels in here. So yeah, he's playing charity events, and Steve said he's playing charity events in uh, Seattle, San Fran, Denver, New York, and Long Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very nice. Let's I love it. Go. Yeah, good stuff there, Steve. I love seeing that. People do it. Charity events love me. Mm. I know how to get people's money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's land this plane here. I gotcha. I think uh, think we got to most of these here. We've kind of come to the the end of the hour here. Uh, Man, but we, um, we appreciate everyone for hanging out we do this every single tuesday on our youtube channel i'm sorry i saw aaron ask when people pay for shows should comics use notes i would say no on a paid show on a paid show absolutely not that we can agree on (laughs) yes okay we differ on if they should have notes on stage in general but for an open mic or for like like, open mic right right yeah yeah. but if it's like a paid paid show no notes no notes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like you gotta be, you, I, I just feel you just have to look as professional as possible. And if you look like you're like notes, just makes it looks like you're working something out, which is why I'm okay with it on a open mic. Cause you're working out the joke. But if someone's paying you to be like up there, unless that's like your shtick and you're like a Dion Cole or something, then no. <laughs> no yeah. Notes. Yeah, you got to come off the dome. You got to know your material. You got to perform your time. Yeah, and the vibe asked, how do I turn conversational funny 
to the comedy, turn conversational funny to the comedy stage. Yeah. I mean, the short answer is you get on stage. And and the more it. comfortable you get on there, the more confident you will be and the more conversational it will be. So a lot of that conversational just comes from stage presence and stage confidence that you can really only develop on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to try it. I mean, I think yeah. you're, the majority of people's first time doing comedy is usually from someone saying that they're really funny and they should try it or somebody losing like a fantasy football league or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, and most people are going to go with, I've got this funny story, Right. But the reality is a funny story may not have a setup, a punchline. It's just a funny story. And it's great for a dinner party. But comedy has, you know, jokes have a structure. And jokes have sort of a way that you tell them. So people act, so you elicit a laughter, which is what you want. Whereas telling a story may be a little different. So it's about practice. So practice telling that story, it's probably going to bomb try it again in a different way, shorten it up, change it up. It's probably going to do better. And every time you tell that story, it will just get better and better and better. Um, use the writing prompts, use the book, use a class. We've got a class. We've got ways to help you write better. Um, yeah. Use the resources around you to get better at writing. For sure. Yeah. And we'll put some links in the, the uh, show description to those books for y'all to check out. Um, that may or may not be Amazon affiliate links. So if you do get one of the books, your boy gets 20 cents. So it really adds up. Fire, fire. My wife heard that in the other room and goes, fired, fired, fired. Um, <laughs> um, and real quick, Larry Harrell asking about the best way to start a show when there isn't something going on in your area. Uh, wait, dang it. I should have got out of here. I'm sorry. I, I see these questions and I want to help, but we should get out of here. But basically trying to get something going, but what would be the best way to start a show or put together a show about without feeling obligated to be the host or MC? Uh, um, Oh, that's a hard one. So I would say, uh, without feeling, if you can find somebody that can actually do that for you, then go ahead and do that. But just know that just because you don't have like a, um, like a place that does comedy, any restaurant that does any kind of entertainment is likely going to also be open to comedy as long as you can find a way to sell them that bring in comedy either keeps people there, um, bringing comedy sort of builds a community. There's very many ways to sell why comedy would be good. Like, you know, how many acoustic open mics can you have in one place versus doing a comedy show for the same amount of time kind of thing. So that's how I would sell it in a city that may not have like a lot of options, unless you're talking about like a city that has like one general store. If you got to do comedy at the general store, then baby, just go do comedy at the general store. Yeah. 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 Wherever, yeah. Wherever you can create it. And we talked more detail about, yeah. Finding venues already doing like karaoke or already doing trivia or a, a restaurant or whatever. That's already doing some sort of live event that you could, you could kind of be like, Oh, this would fit into your like weekly like event lineup type deal. And uh, Michelle asked, or Michael said, is it a good idea to organize an open mic where comedians, musicians can participate and mm. how should the lineup look? I mean, I've done those where they kind of do music, comedian, music, comedian. I've done poetry, open mics. 
I mean, I've done I've done karaoke before. I was like, do you mind if I do jokes instead of uh, singing? And they were cool with it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. And it's open mics. So you could alternate, or you know, or do two comics and then two musicians. Like, I don't think there's any wrong there. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, just try it out, see what happens. Kaboom! All right. Well, let's uh, let's land this plane here, man. We appreciate y'all for hanging out with us on this beautiful Tuesday. Yes, we do this every Tuesday, five p.m. Eastern time. So we will be back next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Next for another live stream Q and A. Next Tuesday and next Tuesday. But until then, join our Facebook group where we do those daily writing prompts. Until then, have a good day, Hopper at the Verse. We love you. Hot breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.